Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Certainty Talks. I, uh, I'm filling in on the intro side here for Steve. He's out uh, at an event here in California, so he's, he's learning a whole bunch of stuff over there. I'm filling in. Uh, we're going to be talking about Certainty Talks today, and I've got our partner in the Whale Club. He's become a friend and a mentor for me, and he's going to be sharing a little bit about what it means to create an unfair advantage. Why do we have an unfair advantage? Why do some people seem to just get lucky over and over and over? We're going to talk a little bit about that today. So um, thanks for joining me. Uh, welcome in, Nick. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. And your video is so much better than mine. You know, I got my, my cool guy background, so. <clears throat> yeah, so the, the unfair advantage is interesting um, because everybody wants one, mm -hmm. right? Everybody wants an unfair advantage. Uh, and then when you say unfair advantage, it's like, oh, you're cheating. Like, no, no, not, not the way that we do it. Um, obviously, when we talk about uh, certainty talks and CC, CCA and the whale club, uh, we're always staying on the right side of ethics. The unfair advantage is actually in uh, what we always say, engineering luck. And that, that's just the process of, it's like, if you want to get to the grocery store and I want to get to the grocery store, uh, and I have an accurate map and you don't, I have an unfair advantage if we're competing. You know, so it's just, it's just having the tools to give you a higher probability of getting there. And these are tools that other people typically don't have. So it's an unfair advantage. I mean, and Dan just wrote the book on it, right? The Rigging the Game book that he just came out with is essentially documenting this. And some people have operating systems to make good decisions. And some people don't. They just make decisions based off their impulses, based on what feels right a lot of times. And often that can get you further and further away from the things that you actually want because you take on all these obligations, you take on all these responsibilities and things. Um, so rigging the game and the unfair advantage that we create is a product of engineering our own luck. I think that's very well said. So. Um, what are some of the tools and frameworks that we can or that people can take advantage of to uh, create an unfair advantage? Yeah, I think the first uh, the first is in um, understanding yourself. Right. Like, it seems weird if somebody asked me what well, if a totally different domain uh, in crypto, I was doing an interview and they were like, what is the one thing you would want everybody to know before they got into crypto? And I said, uh, I would want them to know themselves. And they kind of looked at me and waited, waited for me to say, ha just kidding. Uh, but that's the truth is, is knowing yourself. So it's the biggest unfair advantage. We talk about a lot in the CCA. You guys talk about it in the whale club. And uh, because when you know yourself, then you can build a system, which is what you teach people how to do. We teach people how to do. Uh, you could build a system that accounts for your strengths, your weaknesses, and your biases. So just being aware of your own biases is a huge advantage. And it, it's not like the tactic that anybody wants. It's just the reality of it. Biggest unfair advantage. So that's one, knowing yourself. Um, the other one, or another one, is knowing where you actually want to go. Again, back to the map analogy. So getting super clear on what you're trying to achieve. <clears throat> and the third one that I'll touch on today is uh, the ability to identify leverage and asymmetry. So some people do this naturally, and they don't even know that they do it, right? Like, it's kind of like a, a, a naturally gifted athlete. He's like, let me teach you how to be athletic. Watch, you just jump this high. Like, you don't even realize that they have this gift. So a lot of uh, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, uh, a lot of these people that have gone exponential they do it naturally they they identify asymmetry they identify leverage and they behave accordingly mm -hmm. so a lot of the cca and a lot of things we're always talking about is giving people the tools that because most of us don't do it naturally to identify where is there asymmetry specifically to the upside so i can make those bets how do i identify asymmetry to the downside so i stay as far away from those things as possible and then um how do i gain leverage you know, how do I get twice as much done in the same amount of time? Or how do I get the same amount of done in half of the time? And so it's, it's a gift that very few people have. And they, most of them don't even know that they have it. And they, you ever met somebody? That, what's that? 
just instinctive. Yeah. Yeah. And they grew up weird because they can see things nobody else can see. And everybody thought they were crazy. And then they became billionaires. And Dan says this all the time. Once they're billionaires, they're eccentric and it's endearing. Right. But before that, they were just weirdos because they just saw things nobody else saw. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really just developing that muscle to identify some of those things. It will it becomes a huge unfair advantage. Yeah. And how can you identify a symmetry if you don't actually know what your game is? Oftentimes so many people take off and they start asking, well, well, should I, should I go invest in real estate or should I invest in crypto or should I start an online marketing business or should I do this or should I do that? And you're mentioning a scenario where the Jeff Bezos of the world, the Elon Musk of the world, they were weird before they were eccentric, which means they knew their game. They, le they, they leaned into their unique disposition. And why do you think that is that oftentimes folks have a hard time with that? Trying, they're, they're trying to play somebody else's game. They're trying to get somebody else to tell them what they should or shouldn't do. Why do you think that is? Uh, I, there, there's, I have some guesses, you know, I don't want to say this matter of factly because everybody's got their reasons. Uh, one, we are as, as creatures, we like, it's a survival thing to fit in. If you don't fit in, you're isolated and you're alone and, and that's dangerous, right? So there, there's a little bit of a survival instinct to fit in. And then you have, uh, the way, the way academia is built, right? It's everybody fall in line stand in line act the same uh they're they're it's the what academics does and a lot of business coaches do this too and it drives me nuts is uh it's convergent thinking right let's all you take a test and there's one right answer and you show your work and there's a certain way they want you to show your work so it's let's all converge on the same answer that's what we were taught our whole entire life uh, the Jeff Bezos and the Elon Musks of the world, they're divergent thinkers. They're looking at the same, they could look at the same answer or the same problem and go, huh, there might be a different way to do this. All right, but that's kind of beat out of us. When, when you're told this is a test and if you don't do well, then you suck and uh, you got to show your work and you have to show it the way we taught you. That's what we learn. We learn that we need to do the same thing as everybody else because that's how we're graded. That's how we're rewarded. And as we climb, right, you go to higher, higher levels, uh, you've met, you know, mathematics 101, 102, 103, we're getting rewarded for higher levels of complexity, right? Hey, more complex. Great. Here's your PhD. And I get all that. But nowhere are we rewarded for simplicity except for in the real world. But nowhere in institutions or, you know, so a lot of a lot of the CCA principles, all stuff you guys teach is really just finding simpler solutions to do the same thing. Uh, so everything about the way we are brought up and every what we are taught is there's one right way to do everything. And if that's the case, you know, you just look around and do what everybody else is doing. Because if there's only one right way to do it, then what whatever is average is probably right, which we know is not true, but that's. That's how we behave without knowing we're behaving that way. So it's, it's just a, it's a combination of wanting to belong. Um, if we don't have a robust toolbox to uh, micro step is what, you know, language that we use. So we got to micro step and get feedback to validate our ideas. If we don't have something like that, then if we do something different, people will tell us, Hey, you're crazy. And we'll start doubting ourselves. And we don't have a system to get the feedback to reinforce the direction we're going. So there's a whole bunch of reasons that even some people that do have a little bit of divergent thinking naturally, they veer off from the course a little bit and their friends, their family, people care about them. You know, they're not being a-holes. Uh, when you veer off course and your friends and family are concerned, they pull you back because they don't know better either. So we just have a world that is designed to keep us all kind of relatively doing the same thing thinking the same way and fitting in so it's, it's really difficult and uh <clears throat> um it's really difficult to break that pattern uh so all an unfair advantage means in this case is everybody is getting pulled to average okay 
just avoiding that gravity is an unfair advantage. Right. I mean, in the school systems, to be fair, are educating hundreds of thousands of people every single year. How are you going to design a system that that optimizes for each person's particular strengths? That's really difficult. So what do they do? They have to force everyone inside of these boxes. So we've been conditioned ever since we were very, very little to play somebody else's game, to solve the problem the way that they want it solved. Show your work. If you don't show it how we taught you, right? Raise your hand if you want to go to the bathroom kind of thing, right? It's like we're forcing you to do the things that we want, uh, that they want us to do. Because again, they have a problem. It's, it's group indexing, as we say, right? So at the very beginning, we're off to a kind of a, an unfair uh, start, right? So we don't really have uh, any real opportunity until we get a little older and we start recognizing this divergent thinking. And so also we wanna fit in, right? I like that, that, that idea of gravity that pulls you back to the mean. If you're feeling that gravity being pulled back to the mean, it's probably because you're getting further and further away, right? The further away you get, the stronger that pull becomes. And we all want to fit in. And you mentioned something else about biases. We all have biases. And so part of this, the first step to, to creating an unfair advantage, as you said, is knowing yourself. So first of all, knowing that you're being pulled back to the mean. It's just, it's just going to rip you, rip you back. But we also carry these biases around with us. What are some of the biases that you've observed that people carry and that keeps them from gaining this unfair advantage? Oh, that's a good question. Um, let me see. So first of all, because you touched on this a little bit and you know how I talk about the adaptive dilemma, um, I, I want to make it clear that the answer to the question I just gave you is part of it, right? But by no means... Is it appropriate or effective to blame everybody else? That's ju it's just the way it is. Gravity exists. Yeah, but the real work and the only thing you have control over and you have like these things exist. It's not that they exist. It's the problem. It's that you don't have a toolbox or the confidence or the willingness to put the systems in place to break free of them. Okay. So it's, it's, it's still like look in the mirror thing. And what you just kind of alluded to is we, we got to look at our own biases so um, there, there's a consistency bias. That's a big one, uh, which is just like you'll see people. We, we all have different uh, priorities and they change as we age and we experience things. So a lot of people maybe go, hmm, I want to be a doctor when they're 17 years old. And they say it out loud. Or they tell their family and their family's so proud of them. And uh, they get to the medical school and they're like, yeah, well, I said I wanted to be a doctor, so I have to follow through on this. So they're like this need, they're not being careful with their words. They're not giving them permission to opt out and change their mind. It's a big thing we talk about all the time is permission to change your mind. Uh, I know doctors that are 50 years old and they're just realizing now that they knew they didn't want to be a doctor halfway through med school. And now they're, they're, they're just, they're in debt and they like, it's much harder to actually get what they want out of life because of this consistency bias. That's a pretty big one. We do it in a lot of ways. Um, you know, maybe we have a six figure business and then we have a month and we're like, Ooh, at this run rate, we'll be a seven figure business. And then we, we go, I'm a seven figure business owner. <laughs> right. And then to stay consistent with that, you start buying stuff that you can't afford because you're a seven figure. You start making decisions as if you you are that identity, um, and it's really hard to cut back because you're trying to stay consistent with this identity that you've created for yourself or or somebody else gave you. Right? It's a really good way that uh, people manipulate you on sales calls and stuff. So they give you identity, and they know that you, your brain is going to fight really hard to stay consistent with that identity. So consistency bias is a big one. Uh, there's another one that's not. Uh, it's, it's a disconnect. Okay, so Dan talks about this in the uh, the um, well the well club event that we did. So I would go there for the deep dive. I know you're going to post it um, in, in your Discord channel. So anybody watching, strongly recommend. 
the the deep dive on this so you can recognize it yourself. But it, it's the biggest one is creating a disconnect, having a disconnect between the words that you say. Okay, because your consistency bias comes from the words that you say and your behavior. Okay, so you have this identity. You know, I just I really love spending time with my kids. It's my number one priority. But your behavior might be like, huh, you sure are staying at the office really late and going out with your friends drinking. And your behavior does not suggest that you really want to spend time with your kids. No judgment. I don't care what you want. But what I do notice is this gap. And in order to, even if even if we say, hey, look, consistency bias is a thing and I'm prone to it, we can actually that to our advantage, but we have to change our words. We have to realize, okay, I actually want this. And then we have to like be really honest with ourselves, close that gap. And then the consistency bias is actually helping us as long as our words matches what our behavior tells us we actually want. So that's a really big one. And you'll, it's really helpful to have a friend or a partner or, or a group of people that care about you enough to say, hey, I don't mean to be an a-hole, but uh, you said this was your number one priority, and you just acted like this. Like, get somebody in your life that was willing to point that out. And uh, your first your first instinct is going to be to try to change your behavior. But before you do that, gut check yourself. Because your behavior might actually be telling you what you really do want. And like change your words. And the reason we don't do that I'm going really deep on this, so I apologize. But the reason we don't change our words is because we're saying what we think everybody else wants to hear. We're saying what we think is the, you know, you can't say, well, I don't really want to spend more time with my kids. Nobody wants to say that out loud. So again, we're trying to fit in. We're trying to be socially acceptable. And there's that gravity again. Gravity again, yeah. So th those are probably uh, some of the biggest ones. There's always a... Uh, you know, Dan talks about uh, mental accounting bias. There's uh, all or nothing thinking. You know, it's either black or it's white. It's, you know, I either do this or I don't. I either go on a one month vacation or I don't. You know, and it's like, well, you want in your split because your family time versus vacation time. Like, mm, I don't know, go for two weeks, split the difference. You know, we, we completely miss all of the options in the gray area, which is probably where we're happiest and most successful anyway so we just want to be aware of these uh these biases but all or nothing thinking consistency bias and then just that that gap our spoused values versus our values in action if you can figure out those three things and either reduce them mitigate them or build a system so that they are benefiting you it's it's like rocket fuel relative to everybody else and Dan actually talks about the GI Joe bias, which I really like, which is like, even though you, you understand the biases, you're still subject to them. I just find that fascinating. Um, <clears throat> and so you, you touched on this, but for those who want to take a deep dive into this, we're going to be putting up the, uh, the recordings, I guess, from our whale club certainty event that we have here in September where Nick, Dan, Dr. Jeff, Steve, myself, we all spoke on these different things. We're going to be throwing that in the discord. It's going to be free for wolf pup holders. So if you guys are, are interested in learning more about that, you can go to blockchainwhales.com. We've got a little link there and you can join our community and you know deep dive these biases and these kind of conversations a little bit more. Um, but, you know, like you said, first step, knowing yourself. You've got to really know yourself and, and how can you create an unfair advantage if you're constantly being subjected, first of all, to the gravity, pulling you back to the mean, because average is not extraordinary. You want to do something extraordinary. You want to create an unfair advantage. First step is recognize you're getting pulled back to the average. Secondly, you've got to, you've got to understand that your unique disposition is what qualifies you to create your unfair advantage. Playing your game is part of the unfair advantage, but you've got to recognize that you are biased. Every, every person is. By not recognizing those biases and really understanding yourself, you're allowing yourself to be subjected to them significantly more. 
So we've got to, first of all, recognize we're getting pulled back to the center. We've got to recognize that we have a unique disposition. We've got to stop playing other people's games. And we've got to recognize that we are biased. We've got to identify those biases that we're most likely to uh, violate or to, to have, I should say, to, to have these biases and recognize that we've got to identify them first. And so that's kind of the first step. Of course, there's so much more to that. We're sort of covering it at a very high level. And again, go deep dive this uh, with the content we're putting out. I, I highly encourage it. It's been very helpful for me. But let's talk about step two. So, so you know yourself. Okay, I got those things sorted out. Great. So where do you want to go? Right, that's step two. And we've got a, a tool that we use. Right, you mind talking about that tool a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of tools, but uh, Dan is uh, created over, over there's like a decade of, of just combing through this stuff. And then my my you know, my brain's always kind of worked this way. And it was seeing the the process that Dan put together that it all clicked. Uh, but it's really part of what, what we call a solvable problem, which is essentially like, listen, people are always complaining that they're not getting the outcome they expect. Okay. So we wanted to, that's most people. So if we wanted the advantage over most people, then if we get the outcome we expect more consistently than other people, we must have an unfair advantage, must be lucky, right? Well, imagine that you want to go again to the grocery store. You're in a new town, you're Airbnb in, and uh, you have a general idea of where the grocery store is and where you're at, but not really. And that's how we live most of our lives, right? We kind of know where we're at, kind of not. Now, if we entered, you know, go to the grocery store on the Google Maps and hit go, and we realized that it was starting us somewhere a couple blocks away from where we were at, and we don't know which direction it is, we'd be pissed. Like, what good is this map? Even though it's pretty close, it's, it's not precise enough to be useful to us, okay? So we know intuitively, and there's proof, that without a very precise location, we can't really orient ourselves. And yet, we don't figure out where we're at in life. You ask somebody like what's going on they they can't tell you with any kind of precision so that we already know it's unacceptable we would not any technology showed us something that ambiguous and that far off we'd be irritated as shit. okay <clears throat> so one is like where are you and the second one is where are you trying to go that's how you uh get directions you know duh uh and yet you say, hey, where do you want to go? Ah, you know, I'd really love to make a million dollars. Like, what does that have to do with your position on the map as a human? You know, I really want to have an impact. What does that, like, that's like saying, I really want to go somewhere that has food. You know, and you I know? gave this analogy for a while. We've been talking about the Google Maps analogy. It's like saying, you know, I'm here in Denver. First of all, I didn't. You know, if I tell that to Google Maps, it's just going to approximate. And I'm going to assume you're right in the middle of Denver because that's not very specific when you say that. So I'm going to make an assumption. But what most people do in their life is they say, I want to go north. And Google Maps is like, well, I could send you up to Nick in Seattle. I could send you to Minneapolis. I could send you to Maine. My Google oh, Alexa thing over there is going off at me. So she's like, where are you trying to go? Uh, she's like, I don't know what you're saying when you say north. Point is, is that's mm -hmm. how we give directions. Mm -hmm. And if we don't give specifics, because uh, Google Maps is a solvable problem, right? That's what it is. And if you can't give it specifics, it's going to say, I, I can't help you. But that's how we approach our life. So here's how we use Google Maps. And that was great, right? So you can't just say go north. In your head, you're th there's something in there that you are picturing that you're not making explicit. And until you make that explicit, we can't solve for it. So Google Maps is, okay, you want to go from here to here, very specific, right? And then there's there's uh, what Dan calls your preferences, which is like in Google Maps, you could be like, uh, you know, you could take the scenic route, you could avoid tolls. Like there's a bunch of different ways to get there, actually, you know, based on your preferences. 
uh, and you may have multiple destinations, but they have to be crystal clear for them to be useful. Because again, Google Maps starting in the middle of Denver is not useful to you. It might give you an impression of general direction. But here, here's how you can use Google Maps, and then we'll tie it back to the solvable problem. So the, it's all about figuring out where you're at and then figuring out what's most important to you and a timeline that is appropriate. All right, and again, this is Dan's intellectual property, and you can see him talking about it in a million different places. Start at, start at the Whale Club uh, Discord. Um, and then that informs us a few things that we're not always thinking about because we're humans and we're greedy and we just want more. We always think more is, is better. What Google Maps, having it does, is it tells us, especially when you have a timeline, when to speed up, when to slow down, when to take more risk, when to take less risk, and when to stop. Those, that's all very useful information in life. And we don't have it because we haven't defined. So as an example, from point A to point B, if I Google Map, and it's the most important event of my life. It is the one thing that I, I just cannot miss. It is my whole life is for my first child's birth or something, you know? And it's gonna take me five hours to drive there. And, you know, I'm told if I get there within 10 hours, I'll, I probably won't miss it. So this tells me that I can drive the speed limit safely, maybe stop every now and then, fill up the gas tank, yada, 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 and I'll still get to where I need to be in a timeline that's appropriate. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm told, hey, if you're not here in the next four hours, you know, you might miss it. Well, I might speed a little bit. I might run a yellow light or two. So I'm going to take more risk, but I know that I have to take that risk in order to get what I want. I'm not taking it mindlessly. Okay? Now, back to the first scenario, and I hope this is making sense for people. If I have 10 hours to get there and it's going to take me five, every time I go over the speed limit, every yellow light I run, every time I let the tank run down, you know, to E because I'm, for whatever reason, I don't want to stop, I'm taking unnecessary risk. I'm going to get there if I play it safe. So any additional risk to get there faster is stupid. But that's how we run it. speed and you get pulled over. Yeah. And you, you know, you're going to get delayed. And if it's an important event, which your solvable problem should be, you're trying to get where you're going. If Google Maps works out and says, hey, it's going to take you five hours to get there. And in your example, you've let's say you've got six hours to get there and it tells you you're going to get there in five. The most risky thing you can do is to speed is to run yellow lights because it's it's potentially going to keep you from getting the outcome that you want, which is to get where you want to get to safely and on time. You want to be there on time. Um, so that's great. And I, I absolutely love that analogy because we can all relate to that. There's nobody anymore that, that gets in their car that goes somewhere new that does not plug that into Google Maps or some other application similar to that. So we're using the solvable problem in some areas of our life but then we're completely blind to it in others. And what we call that is a bias, right? You're, you're biased. You can, you can observe it in one area. You could, you could be a great Google Maps person, right? You use it all the time. You're never late because you're always using this. But in your life, you're running circles, right? You're trying to go from Denver north. And it's like, well, what does that mean? There, there is no defined point. I can't work out the most efficient way to get there with the least amount of risk, least amount of effort, because I have no idea where that actually means. It's just an arbitrary endpoint. And so what happens is we make decisions that oftentimes, you know, we start heading east in an, in an attempt to get somewhere. So the point is, is like, how do we actually create the Google Maps for our life. What does that look like? Yeah, well, the the let, let me point this out real quick because what most people are doing without this solvable problem is they're running red lights. They're pedal to the metal. They're, they're they want more faster, right? Especially in business, like more faster. Yeah, in personal life as well, where it's like Dan does this all the time. I do this all the time. You probably do. Where you look at people like, hey. If this is really the most important thing to you, like this is what your life is about, 
um, you can just actually cruise at the speed you're at right now and get there. And people are like, no, I want to go faster. Like, okay, so you want to behave in a way that is increases the probability that you don't get what you want in the name of more faster? Like, yes, that's how most people operate. So um, it's just important to realize that. So the process is, is one, getting clear on where you're at. That's a pretty long, uh, um, you know, you maybe put a link to the certainty app in the in the uh, Discord, and so people can find it. So if you go to the Whale Club Discord, you can find the app. Uh, but it's really getting clear on where you're at, which is this is how much. First, you start financially is probably the easiest way. Uh, this is how much I have, and this is how much extra I need uh, in this timeline. And the way you find that out is you have a really honest conversation about yourself, or yeah, to with yourself about what you're trying to accomplish. And you assign it dollar values. All right, I'm not going to go too deep into it because Dan explains it so much better than I do. But it's really saying like, okay, my number one priority, truly my number one priority is uh, paying for my kid's college. And I have to do that in six years. That's going to be, you know, maybe, I don't know, 90 grand or whatever. I don't know what college costs anymore. So now we have $90,000 in six years. Now, depending on where you're at, you might already be there. You might have 90 grand sitting in the bank. Cool. Funded. Priority number two. Uh, but that that's kind of the process is really, this is what I need in this timeline. Now, the way that, in my opinion, the way that you create an unfair advantage is you don't be a greedy a-hole. And you learn this in the CCA and you learn this in the whale club and all that stuff is uh, generally speaking, and we work with a certain kind of person, when people define it, they realize how attainable it is. It's so much easier and simpler than what you thought because you've been blowing yourself up for no reason. Uh, but then they're like, I really, the most important thing, man, if I could just buy a vacation home and retire my wife so she never has to work again. And if I could do that in 10 years, oh man, that would be amazing. So then you kind of do your Google Maps and you go, oh, I'm actually on track to already do that. And then because we're greedy a-holes, we're like, maybe I should do it in three years, yeah. right? And all we did was now we've increased the amount of risk we have to take. So like the, the real trick is being honest with yourself about what is acceptable. Like what do you actually want and what timeline is acceptable? And then there's a whole bunch of math and, you know, you can go, you can teach them the math. They can go learn it from uh, videos, whatever. That's the easy part. The hard part is, is uh, preventing humans from doing the human thing. Mm -hmm. Which is once they realize like, wow, I can have everything I want. I should go for more. Mm -hmm. You're just increasing the probability that you don't get any of it. You know, and to use the, because we're, I love the Google maps analogy. It's just so uh, applicable. Um, the way I think of it is what we're trying to solve for is do I need to run this red light or not? Right? Because we want to design a system where we don't need to run any red lights or any stop signs at all. We don't need to take on any, any risk more than is necessary. When we take off, we're going to get where we're going and we don't have to break any laws. We don't have to, we don't have to take on any risk. So, the question really is, is like, based on the endpoint that you've defined and you say, Hey, I want to get to Seattle. You type that in and it says, it's going to take you 24 hours to drive from Denver to Seattle. It's like, okay, great. So I can get there in 24 hours. That's how long it's going to take me. I can plan accordingly. And if all of a sudden you start saying, well, I want to get there in 10. The point is, is well, you're having to take on all this unnecessary risk. So when I think about the solvable problem, all I'm asking myself is, do I need to run this red light or not? Or can I increase my timeline so I don't have to run any red lights? Mm -hmm. we're, we're taking the least amount of risk possible to get what we want. But of course, that, that takes a lot of clarity, which, you know, we make it sound easy. It's not. It takes a lot of clarity and a lot of getting extremely honest with yourself to identify your biases, to say, I'm the type of person that likes to to go really fast and likes to run red lights. So I need to recognize that bias and build a system that accounts for it. 
It's not like saying just completely ignore your tendencies and your biases. It's a, it's a, acknowledge them and account for them. Right? Build systems so that you can keep yourself from blowing yourself up, as you like to say. Mm-hmm. It's 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 amazing how humans will do this. That you say, here's a look. All you have to do is keep doing what you're doing right now, and you will get there. And they can't do it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what what are you really trying to accomplish here? And I'll tell you the hardest part. And uh, Dan and I talked about this before he went on stage. He had this uh, uh, thing with like Damon John and a bunch of people. And we came up, you know, like th- this is the line that he ended his uh, his talk with. And uh, well, actually, it's right before he ended the talk. He he ended it with, uh, you know, what's the point? Which is great. But it was, uh, do you know why most we we that explain the whole solvable problem? And then we address the obvious. And when I say we, I mean he. In this case, he addressed the obvious, which is you still won't do this. And you know why? Because when you define success for you, okay, um, I'm home by 5 p.m. to have dinner with my kids as long as they're in the house. You know, uh, my wife doesn't have to work. I have a good relationship. Whatever success is for you, I don't, no judgment, whatever it is, when you're honest about it. You have also defined failure. Okay. So you can't hide behind a thousand video view likes. So you can't hide behind Ferraris. You can't hide behind all this stuff that you do to make other people think you're successful. So influencers, marketers, especially people that get attention regularly, have a very hard time defining success because they have a consistency bias again. They have identified as successful. Other people have called them successful. And if they're honest with themselves about what they actually want out of life, they will have to face that they are failing right now. Mm-hmm. And they are failing until they achieve that. And that's and tough. We'll avoid it. We will. Yeah, it's tough. All right. So step one, where are you? We call that knowing yourself. You've got to recognize gravity's pulling you to the mean. You got to recognize your unique disposition and you got to recognize your biases. When we can really understand where we are, we can give Google Maps that accurate. Here's where I am right now. The next step is tell it where you want to go. So we can work out the most efficient way to get there with the least amount of risk possible. I don't want to have to speed. I don't have to run red lights. I don't want to have to run stop signs because that adds a whole bunch of risk. That now I got to get pulled over. I'm going to have to pay a ticket. Maybe you get thrown in jail because you're being a total idiot. Well, these are the risks that we take trying to rush and get faster. And and that's a bias. This is what humans are oftentimes naturally hardwired to that. And it's difficult. No one's saying it's easy. But if we can do those things, if we can get clarity on where we are and where we're going, the next step is the fun part. Because now we get to start recognizing what you refer to as asymmetry. And for all of us that may not know what that means, can you describe what it means to identify asymmetry? Yeah. So all we're looking for, you know, is, is it like an asymmetric bet? Okay. So symmetry is perfectly even like you bet a dollar for the chance to win a dollar, you know, (laughs) Um, you would actually probably bet a dollar, like a 50-50 chance, bet a dollar to win $2. If you play that game a billion times, you break even. That's symmetry. Okay, So hopefully that makes sense. Uh, asymmetry means there's either an outsized gain or an outsized loss. So if you were to play it, repeat exposure is important. People have a hard time like processing this. The really, really the way you think about it is if I took this bet 100 times, Right. What's the likely outcome? It's, it's almost like an expected value thing. So Jeff Bezos, you know, he says all the time, you have a 10% chance to to win and it's a hundred dollar bet with a hundred X outcome. You take that bet every time. Uh, that means that you can bet. It's, it's what people would call a moonshot. You know, your small bet has potentially huge gains. That's asymmetry to the upside. 
if a medium-sized bet has potentially medium-sized gains, it's symmetrical. Like there's no point in really taking those bets. Uh, asymmetry to the downside is where the risk is far greater than the reward. Right? That's all it is. And it, it, the the worst kind of asymmetry to the downside is the kind that is complete ruin. Mm-hmm. Right? So anytime you go all in with everything, regardless of the probability of winning, I would say as, the asymmetry is to the downside. If losing everything is one of the po- potential outcomes, it's a bad bet. So when we're looking for asymmetry, it, uh, VCs do it. VCs are a great example. You know, they might put 100 grand here, 100 grand there. They might make, they might invest in 50 companies. And they know 49 of them are going to fail. But that one Google, right, where they get 2,000x returns, uh, it's an asymmetric bet. So we're always looking for bets where we can make smaller bets to get larger outcomes, larger potential outcomes. That's asymmetry to the upside. Uh, <laughs> the hard part is, and, and Jeff Bezos addresses this and why we tend to suck at this as humans, is uh, one, with asymmetric bets, you're going to lose nine times out of ten. And humans struggle with that. They want to win ten times. Mm-hmm. Right, but like win loss, that binary, that's just not a very intelligent way to think about things on a continuum, which is we live on a continuum. It's because cool, one one five loss, or you won six and you lost four, or you won all ten and you walked away with an extra hundred bucks. I rather lose nine, win one, walk away with a million. Mm-hmm. So it's the size of the wins and losses that matters, not the frequency of wins and losses. You know, right? and, and Nassim Taleb talks about this in anti fragile which is a great book that you recommended, by the way. <clears throat> and he describes the the thousand pebbles versus the one stone, you know, the giant stone. It's like, and I took that analogy and I sort of used it a different way. It's like, okay, if I fall from a foot off the ground, I, it, it's not going to hurt me at all, long-term or short-term. If I do that 30 times, it's not going to hurt me long term or short term. I could sit here and just jump up and down a foot, a foot, a foot, a foot, a foot, 30 times. But if you jump off a 30 foot. Exactly. Right? But I could die if I fell from 30 feet one time. It's the same idea with, uh, you have a great analogy with Russian roulette. You mind, you mind explaining that, that, that story. I think that one's really, that really hits at home. Yeah. It goes back to complete ruin. So we can say, uh, there's a couple there's a couple concepts here coming together there there's like there's an expected value uh and then there's a risk reward and then there's a uh, uh, repeat exposure and so i'll break i'll break those down it's just if you have a 87.7 percent chance of winning okay so far it sounds like a good bet it costs you one dollar to play and if you win you uh you win fifty dollars so now it sounds like a really good bet. Risk, like it all makes sense. Uh, and I could play it 10 times in a row. I'd be First rich. People do is they're like, how about a million dollars? Yeah. And like, but here's, here's the problem. If the game is Russian roulette, it's not worth it. Even worse. We don't, Russian roulette's obvious. You got a gun to your head. There's a bullet. You know the consequences. In most of our endeavors in life, we're not fully aware of the consequences or the cost or the hidden uh, risks. So the expected value type calculation would say, all right, well, even if I lose, I'll just play it again. And if I lose, I'll play it again. I only have to win one time out of 10 for this to be a home run. Well, guess what? You can't play Russian roulette 10 times in a row. Right? So we have to, that, that's accounting for complete ruin and uh, repeat exposure. So something can make sense on paper, but if complete ruin is an option, the asymmetry to the downside because you can't expose yourself repeatedly to the game of Russian roulette. <laughs> like you're going to die. And uh, that those are just things that you got to think through. So when we're looking for asymmetry, we're really looking for in, in the, the way I think about it is no chance of complete ruin. Uh, I can play it multiple times in a row. 
and there's a high probability that I get an outsized result in doing so. What happens is humans, because we're greedy a-holes, it's going to be a common theme, we can find an asymmetric bet. Crypto, for example, um, a, a startup, even, even gambling to an extent, where we go, huh, a small bet here, and I could 1,000x my money. Okay, here's the here's the beautiful thing about asymmetry upside. Because you can 1,000x your money, you don't have to put a lot in. That's what makes it, that's what keeps the asymmetry to the upside. You don't have to take a big risk. But we go, huh, well, if I put $1,000 in and I 1,000x it, wow. Yeah, well, you should just be happy right there and stop and take the asymmetry to the upside. But we don't. We go, hmm, what if I take out a second mortgage on my home <laughs> And I take out my kid's college fund because then I'll have $150,000 and all 1,000x that. Well, you just you just took a beautiful bet with a semerge to the upside and you flipped it to having more downside than upside mm -hmm. because you're a greedy a-hole. So it's just, right, it's, it's how can we take micro bets that can deliver outsized results to help get us to where we want to be a little bit faster? And you know and, what Dan talks about is the idea of, and I'm guilty of this just as the next person. I really didn't understand this until I came into your world and, and Dan's world to really like, it, it was that bias and it, you guys shined a light right on it. I'm like, oh damn, I do that. You're looking at opportunities because someone asked uh, in the comments and I want to touch on this. Let's talk about a real world business example. Maybe that one that you've been through, but. First, I want to tell this, this you know, the idea that I got from Dan, which is when we're evaluating different options, should I get into crypto? Should I flip this house? Should I buy rentals instead? You know, we all have decisions that we're making on a daily basis. The way I was looking at these decisions as, is which has the higher upside? Which one can make me more money? And what we're doing by only looking at the upside. And of course, pro we're probably considering the downside in a, in a, you know, for a brief second in our brain, but then our, our, our hard wiring is like, no, 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 pay attention to the upside. And what I learned from Dan is if you want to actually manufacture asymmetry, you don't pay attention to the upside. You look at, first of all, which option could expose me to total ruin get that one out of here because if if we you know it's like the russian roulette thing if you take a bullet to the head you can't play anymore so what's the point so first of all get rid of anything that has a chance to potentially ruin you and then what he taught me how to do is look at these options and say which has the least amount of downside because if we can just eliminate downside all we're left with is upside but instead, what we do is we say, but well, this one has more upside. But what you're not accounting for is the downside. That's how you manufacture asymmetry. It's not by trying to, you know, make more money in this area or, you know, pick the right coin and hope that you picked right. It's like, how do we take risk off the table so that all we're left with is upside? I think you're on mute. All right, well, we say that we say this in a million different ways, right? And uh, I mean, you said that you articulated that really well. Is the what we have? Our life is a rolling average, right? Yeah, you your your good days and your bad days, your good days and your bad days, your good days and your bad days. But but your trajectory is just an average. It's just kind of a straight line that runs through them. Okay? Our brains, just like you said, we always want to do better than our best. We want higher highs. We want bigger upsides. Okay? Um, and that hoping to bring that average up, that's what we're trying to do. We don't realize it, but again, or, you know, if you lost a million dollars yesterday and you made 2 million today and you got a million bucks, it's an average of yesterday and today. Uh, so we're just trying to bring that average up. The fastest way to bring an average up is to get rid of the floor or raise the floor. It's the easiest way. It's like, instead of doing better than you've ever done before, like just stop doing dumb stuff for a while. And that that's the equivalent of, you know, Dan has a, a highest month paradigm. He's got removing the zeros. There's all these frameworks. Uh, 
And it's all a version of, hey, if you just eliminate these bad decisions, like think back, anybody that's over like 25 years old, if you just think back and like, man, if I would have avoided these pitfalls where I dug this huge hole for myself, you know how far along I would be right now? And yet, moving forward, we never think, how do I avoid these pitfalls? Right? We're always you, thinking, just like we were as kids, more is better. You and so, Dan and Dr. Jeff call it, take your foot off the brake. Right? Yeah. Um, let's talk about a case in point, because I actually was just reading a couple of things that you were throwing in the, uh, the telegram right before we got on this call. And you were talking about uh, case in points from previous businesses that you've been with. Can you share a case in point where you've been able to manufacture this asymmetry? Uh, yeah, let me, um, so one, one of the ways that Dan and I are different is, and, and one of the reasons that he's so, such a valuable human and there's so much synergy, um, I am probably more likely to recognize it where it's already there. Whereas he's more likely to, uh, engineer it and manufacture it and together we do a little bit of both right because that's always the uh that's always the goal <laughs> i would say well i have a um you know i have a, a whole crypto ecosystem uh crypto is a great one so uh, let me get i'll just give you an example of when i started the wolf den uh i was when i was first investing in crypto i knew i i would be like uh, hey, find me a scam. You know, I throw money in it, just see what it's like. So already these bets are, I'm expecting to lose money. So I'm in a state of like already kind of engineering this upside. Uh, and then I was like, you know, I got to figure out how this works. My initial investment into the the Wolf Den, actually building the Wolf Den, and which is now the Garden Academy and all that stuff, it was 900 bucks. There's 900 bucks. So we sat there. And said, okay, yeah. What's the potential downside? I lose 900 bucks. I'm throwing a thousand bucks a day away anyway, on purpose to, to learn how scam, you know, how to identify scams. So the risk was non-existent. It was already built into what I was doing. Uh, and the upside was nearly infinite. And, you know, we're, we're still exploring what the upside is. So it's just being able to identify. I can tell you right now that in my opinion, and this is my, I'm different than um, like you and Dan are a little bit different than I am personality wise and playing your game and stuff. Uh, you're both higher fact finders. Like you're both more detail oriented than I am. Uh, so like in recognizing things, I can tell you that most people are sitting on a ton of asymmetric bets with the behavior they're already doing. Why is it low downside? Because you're already doing it. There's no additional downside if they could recognize it and just figure out how to like reframe it or reposition it, uh, you know, people that are doing video every day, just because they love doing video, you know, make a call to action on the end of your, one of your videos. That's an asymmetric bet. You don't want to, cause you don't, you know, like, but worst case scenario is not that bad. And you're not wasting a, but you're not spending a bunch of time doing something you're not already doing. And there's a potential upside. What if you make a call to action like, hey, you know, if, you know, I, I do these videos for free, but I'd, I'd consider doing a paid course. Let me know if you're interested. And you get 10,000 comments. People want to pay you money. That was an asymmetric bet. Just, you know, it doesn't always have to be money for money. So a lot you're of people have take a micro step, right? If you want to create asymmetry, you take micro steps because, again, it's the idea of falling from a foot versus, you know, 30 times versus falling from... 30 feet one time if you take that big giant leap you you may not get up right so instead if you can just micro step these things down well what is it what does it cost 900 bucks let's throw it out there what does it take to just add a cta on the end of your call i mean it doesn't cost you much right these are micro steps that we can take where the downside is very low but the upside is we get information we mm -hmm. recognize the next step Right. All the things, maybe you hit a thousand X on one of your decisions because, you know, you got lucky. This is what we mean by engineering luck. Yeah. The, so the way to engineer luck, the unfair advantage, and I'll, I'll wrap up with this. And if, if, 
if you want to deep dive on it, just go to go to the website, the Blockchain Wheels website. There's a ton of videos. Go down the rabbit holes. Get in the Discord. Ask questions. Um, I know Paul really well. I know he's going to deliver on it. Uh, but it, it's this simple, and it's simple, not easy. Don't decide too far ahead of time what it needs to look like. As soon as you, if you say to me, yeah, well, the way that I'm going to reach my goal is I'm going to do this, 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 this. And in five years, this exact thing is going to happen. That's a very fragile plan, right? Because everything's going to change. The, the likelihood that, that exact thing happens is not very good, but you're not being receptive to all the other areas. So it's don't try to decide too far in advance how it's got to happen and stay in the game. That's really it. And as long as you have a solvable problem and you're always working in the right direction, it's just a matter of taking... So when you see a asymmetric bet, if you believe Bitcoin is going to $10 million, cool. Put some in. Don't put so much in that when you find out Bitcoin is going to take a little longer than you thought, that you have to blow up your whole life and now you've taken 10 steps backwards, right? So that's why I mean when I say stay in the game. Just micro step, keep all options open, prioritize, keep the main thing the main thing, and uh, you start getting lucky as far as everybody else is concerned anyway. You're muted. Aha. Now you're muted. Aha. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, yeah. So that's why some people get lucky over and over and over and over because they make bets and they're losing a lot. But you don't see those losses. You see the ones that they got right. But every time they lose, they're still able to keep playing the game. Well, they're losing. They're losing, just to clarify, because I agree, but they're losing a little bit with a high frequency. Correct. You know? Yep. So let's recap. You want to create an unfair advantage in your life. You can't do that unless you know yourself, you know, your game, you know, where you are on the map. You have to do that by identifying biases. You have to play to your unique disposition. You can't play other people's games. You have to also recognize there's this gravity that's pulling at you. That's what you're feeling as you're moving further and further away from the center, as you're becoming more and more extraordinary. We call it the two tyrants of leadership with scrutiny and expectations. Just recognize that gravity and know you're, you're moving in the right direction. The stronger the pull, the further away you're getting from the mean typically. So know yourself. Second is you got to know where you're going. We use the solvable problem. Dan has done such a good job. It is literally as simple as just go to certaintyapp.com. We'll have the link in the in the notes here, we're, we're, it's on the Discord if you want to come in there, but you can just type in certaintyapp.com and literally just go put in the numbers that it, that it prompts you. It's, it's super simple. That will tell you uh, whether you are running speed limits uh, or running stop signs or not. It might say you're going, you, you're, you need to account for a longer time horizon. Or maybe you don't need to do anything differently. Just keep driving the same speed that you are right now and don't take on any extra risk because you're going to get there in time. And also recognize that your human biology is going to tell you, ooh, but what if I could go faster? That's a bias. Recognize that that's coming. And then number three, you can either be good, like Nick was saying, at manufacturing asymmetry like Dan is, or you can just be really good at recognizing it when it's there and taking that bet, right? So if you can get good at recognizing when opportunities are asymmetric, that's almost as good as, or just as good as manufacturing it in the first place because they exist all over the place. It's just about taking advantage of those things. Anything else you want to add there, Nick, on the, the yeah. unfair advantage? I will, I will add this just to tie it all together, just to make it all super clear. So you're, you might be sitting there thinking, and I'm, I'm going to wrap this up for you. Like people will think, so you're telling me the unfair advantage might be to like, just slow down. What kind of horse shit is that? Right. Um, and yeah, if you're honest with yourself, because you're going to increase the probability that you get the thing that matters most to you. Okay. 
And after a few years, you're going to realize you are one of the very few people on the planet that in a few years accomplished something that really mattered to them. To the rest of the world, you are moving at fucking light speed. Yep. That's the big thing. It's like, yes, you're going to feel like, oh, I'm not doing anything. I should be pushing harder. But to the rest of the world, you're doing the impossible. Because you didn't get pulled over. You didn't get in an accident. You didn't run out of gas. You didn't, and everybody else is. Right? A little bit of tortoise and hare stuff, but not to that extreme. So just recognize that. That's all. All right. Well, thank you to everybody for listening up. Thank you for Nick, Nick, for joining today. I thought this was a really good uh, conversation on what it what it means to create an unfair advantage for yourself. It's it's as complicated as getting to know yourself, knowing where you're going, and recognizing asymmetry when it presents it. There's a bunch of nuances to that. If you guys want to deep dive and go down the rabbit hole, like I said, we're going to have a whole bunch of videos from our certainty event where we talk about these specific things. Are going to be on our Discord. You can get that link at blockchainwhales.com. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.